Hi, welcome to Conversations with Sammy. I am your host, and I'm so glad you're here. I believe in the miraculous impact of a powerful storytelling. And right here is where I invite everyday people like you and I to share their real, raw, and unedited journeys. In our conversations, we express our feelings, we celebrate our struggles, we share our visions, and together we aim to live a more fulfilling life. In this conversation, I speak with Katie Crosby. How do our childhood experiences affect us today? What is a family? What is the definition of a relationship? We talk about inner child work, internalized trauma, our ideas of a healthy parenting, and what it takes to experience a happy childhood as an adult. Enjoy. Hey, Sammy. How's it going? Great. Oh, I hear you perfectly clear. So that's good. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. Can you hear me well, too? Yes, I can. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. I know your schedule is busy, so I'm super grateful you're here today. I'm so happy to talk. (sighs) Yeah. Oh, man. I was really looking forward to just catch up with you in general. I haven't seen you in, it seems like, months or, you know, caught up with you. Um, And, yeah, this this morning we just, um, we texted a bit before, and I was like, oh, this is great. You know, we're both feeling feelings, and what a great topic to start with. since we'll be diving in a little bit or a lot into um, think childhood stuff and what we're going through with it today. Um, so how are you feeling? How was, um, how was the weekend? How was your past week? Mm-hmm. Yeah, feeling feelings. That's such a theme lately in my life, I think. Even, you know, the last couple of years, yeah. I would say. Um, this weekend, so how am I feeling today? I would say... Um, definitely just woke up really early, which is a pattern if I'm thinking a lot and I definitely tend to be fear or shame prone. So right when I wake up, it's like, I'm noticing everything I'm thinking is something that is a shame emotion or a fear that I have or resistance in some sort. So less of the curiosity and compassion and more of like self-judgment and self-doubt and fear and all that stuff that comes up. And I used to be so disconnected from all that. Like I was so disconnected and had shut down my emotions so far that I really thought I was pretty like, okay, like everything was normal. It was all good. And I didn't realize it was just all just festering under the surface waiting for attention and so when it started to become more connected or integrated I've definitely had more of those moments where I notice or I'm aware of them so it can be painful and I I suppose big opportunity all in one how about you yeah oh man you know I just remembered how it used to be for me and still are some days, of course, but like the waking up with the head full of thoughts. And I know I'm not, I don't feel at peace. You know, I just know like the jitters, the anxiousness, something is happening, but I I, I was never aware of what that is. So what my morning would look like before is I jump out of bed, you know, get ready, dress up, and then just chuck coffee and just this need of being constantly busy so that I maybe numb what's going on in the head and just constantly rushing like getting out of the house driving to work and then just being being busy productive at work and and I didn't I mean now that I could tell like a lot of what I did was to quiet that monkey inside of my mind Mm -hmm. and it's it's crazy to think that I never heard it clearly it was so much noise like you know you're in a crowd of like thousands of people Mm -hmm that's how it used to sound like I could not even hear a word I just knew it was really noisy Mm -hmm. and like today you know going back to what you said yet you wake up and you can kind of see or hear your thoughts like oh man this is what I'm thinking about okay so which gives me the the ability to like act on huh well is it true kind of like question it and first thing I do is just, just question or just notice like okay well that that is not really relevant right now. Um, meditation <laughs> helps. 
reading helps, talking to people helps. Uh, what do you do in, in your daily routine, so to speak, in the morning when you wake up just kind of like, oh, man, my head is full of crap? Oh, uh, you know, well, as you, as you were talking, I relate so much to that, just keeping a, a super full schedule. I'd wake up, not even think about it, get out of bed, continue like every single minute of the day I was doing something, whether it was mm-hmm. working, you know, I always have had two to three jobs and just put so much into work, I think, as a way to avoid all the feelings and all of the any really true intimacy, you know, I'd go out and, you know, drink with friends and think I was having fun and then feel awful after and um, I didn't have deep relationships with myself or with others. And um, so now just first being aware, I think is the biggest step that's really helped me and not aware at a an intellectual level, I think, I'd intellectualized everything for so long or spiritualized it where I was reading every book on personal development or self-help. I knew I needed a lot of help, but I didn't really know mm-hmm. um, how to embody it. So for over 10 years, probably 15 years now, I've been doing a lot of personal development stuff, but it wasn't until I was able to really sit with the embodying of that process of sharing something so it looks really practical like you know sharing with you in a text message that I'm having these really you know shame and fear prone thoughts and maybe sharing specifics about the narratives that you're mentioning like these totally irrelevant often not Mm -hmm. not correct narratives that are so deeply embedded like um, in my consciousness or subconscious I suppose so then this morning I ended up if I can listen to my messages and listen to what's helpful for me, which I don't always, of course, I wish that were the case, but, um, you know, sometimes I think I just have to sit in the feelings and really feel it and ride it out. And, and others there, I think this morning I ended up going for a bike ride along the lake and it was rhythmic repetitive movement, which is helpful for me and water and, Um, just getting outside, not being on my phone, not being in my thoughts, kind of balancing all the intense mental energy that I tend to have with physical energy and being in the body in that way. And then also, um, yeah, just really sharing it with others with, I think I started out with just one person that I felt like I could be connected with at a deeper level. And recovery has been so profound for that and I've definitely been distant lately just with the zoom meetings and platforms online and things like that but really like practicing it and connecting with others around it and realizing how human all of this stuff is and how not talked about it it is and uh, those are some really big pieces that have helped me I gotta tell you you know I I love like your response today like how are you feeling and you're like well I'm spinning in shame and fear cycle you know (laughs) like how refreshing because usually it's like I'm good I'm all right I'm okay Um, I'm I'm, like hanging on these are just I guess these uh, like quick answers like don't don't ask me because I'm feeling like shit or I'm scared but that's okay to say it you know it's so cool that I too have this ability now to honest like man I'm really scared and I feel like a little kid today hey you know I think there's a lot of for me coming up from from the past and really digging in um, deeper into that and you know speaking of feelings for me feelings usually arise of hurt fear sadness like early in the morning sometimes Mm -hmm. um, when I get ready for work and I'm thinking, man, this is a really bad time. Like I'm about to hop on a bus. Like I cannot be bawling like for the next 20 minutes. And sometimes I have, like, I literally just put my sunglasses on and I just cry. I, I have to let it go mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm at this point where like numbing, like pushing down the feelings, it is just so much harder, so much exhausting to actually stay with it and cry it out. And that's mm-hmm. something I learned in in my healing and recovery that letting out whatever is in that moment is so crucial because if I don't, I'm, I'm going to be spinning all day, all mm. day not knowing what the hell is going on. Um, that, that exhaustion. Yes. Like the, mm-hmm. the um, holding in emotions and how physically it's like our body stores all of those past traumas or experiences that didn't make sense or were too much and getting into 
like body work or um, it's just even, you know, having a deep therapeutic relationship or something like that. I think as you're saying that I was thinking how, how much process there is behind being able to just be safe enough to cry, like how much security we need and how much um, in a healthy way, like not to have it overwhelm your whole day, but just think like, yes, I can cry right now and this is okay. And this is totally different from what, I heard growing up, you know, it's like, I'll give you something to cry about or don't cry or stop crying or um, just, I don't even remember crying as a kid because I think it was so far shut down. So yeah, I'm seeing all the process you probably have behind that crying. And I know firsthand from some of what you shared, but. Mm. You know, Katie, I, I want to dig in a little bit and it's, I still get very emotional and a lot of feelings come up. Just the connection with the childhood and how we are today. And, you know, before I started diving deeper into like this formation, the domestication process, which happens for like the day we were, we are born. Mm. And, you know, my response was like, oh my God, seriously, why? Like that's over. I don't want to look at it. Why dwell? Why sit in that crap that, you know, the pain, the hurt, like what's the point? Like, let's move on. Give me something right now to work with. And until I open my heart um, to actually do that deep inner work, what I realize is um, the moment I relive those past events those scary moments you know like physical abuse or emotional abuse or just watching horrific things um happen between my parents and the thoughts when i mentally go there i feel it out which is always very scary and and there's a lot of hurt and sadness the moment i feel it out whatever that is tears um yelling rocking myself whatever sucking my tongue like I've done that like being a little girl Mm. there is light on the other side um can you can you relate to that like how was um how was your upbringing how are you seeing what happened when you were little what you stored in your memory your body how is that blocking you today and what are you doing to get that out of your way oh yeah that inner child it's interesting. As I was talking, I thought the first thing I did this morning was think, oh, like physically turn toward my inner child within myself. And, mm-hmm. and really, I haven't, you know, I'm writing down notes on what you're saying, because that like, actually envisioning or embodying what it's like to be that child that needs to rock themselves or be rocked or suck your thumb or like, feel it out, like you say, them, I I'm just really getting deeper and deeper into that because I'm realizing how so much, so many of these thoughts are related to how I felt growing up and how I, you know, had felt what wasn't expressed or didn't feel safe or secure expressing or sharing or being shame, you know, ashamed or fearful of something. It just didn't feel okay or didn't feel like there was space for that. So, um, I grew up in northern Michigan in a small town, and um, I think my family system was, you know, it's interesting. I always thought I had secure attachment and a normal childhood, and then looking back, and, you know, what is normal, right? I, you know, what is that word? <laughs> but um, I had so far disconnected from it and and the pain, and I think when I started to think about memories, it's really tricky for me to remember a lot of specific memories. And, and I know now that sometimes there's protective mechanisms that cause us not to remember. Sometimes we just don't. Um, But thinking about specific experiences of times that I felt different emotions. So a time that I felt afraid or a time that I felt sad and what that looked like started to really open up to me that, you know, there were a lot of things that were really tough. And I remember taking this trauma scale, the ACEs quiz. Have you heard of that? The ACE ACEs? I've heard of it, but I've never taken that. We had to take it um, when I was in OT school and I'm I'm an occupational therapist. And, um, and before that, I didn't really think about anything as traumatic. And then I started to realize that um, even things like parent divorce, or I had a parent with, um, you know, I could use lots of different labels probably, but 
just big emotional dysregulation challenges that was in and out of life and not really a figure, like a parent figure for me. Um, And it was confusing. And then a lot of financial stress or a lot of internalized financial stress of feeling like there wasn't enough or I needed to start working at nine or, you know, I had a lemonade stand that was serious. And then by 12, I was trying to get real jobs and nannying three jobs a day and things like that. And just so much of the survival financial stress that I internalize and how that is a form of trauma because it really does put the cortisol, you know, the stress hormones are in your body and in your mind and you cope as a child because I I remember internalizing some of it, but like working with kids now, I see how egocentric childhood is in a really healthy way, but it's so easy for kids to internalize any dysfunction around us is because of us or because we aren't good enough or need to be better And I so realize how I did that on my own. And, um, you know, I think one of my, yeah, I've heard that my parents didn't want kids and didn't want us. And I didn't hear I love you or I didn't get the hugs and the care and even presence or really interest in my life. There was none of that. And it was really confusing because I had this kind of figure in my life that was mostly power and control from what I remember. So not really a connected relationship. Like I see you, let's be together. It was like, you need to be doing this X thing or, or, you know, this isn't okay. And often it was work-based and um, a lot of, you know, like working together was our thing that we did. I'd be like picking up nails around a property or doing some sort of construction project or at at really an age that kids are normally playing. And and I did do a lot of that. There was so much joy that I found in just being outside and being in nature and I can problem solve so many things now, you know, it's like, if I need to put spark plugs in my car I'm good, (laughs) if I need (laughs) to fix something, I can do it because I had to, and I didn't really have a choice. And um, we were really independent and, um, independent meaning, um, we had a lot of time without kind of adults close by or nearby. And so you kind of figure it out. And it wasn't until my brother, um, in high school, my brother died of suicide and had been sent to live with one of my parents. And, um, it just ended up being a really, terrible fit, I think, in a really challenging environment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting how that one just really opened me up in some ways and also made me think really differently about all of this stuff and really triggered and ignited this whole different way of thinking that I didn't have before. Thank you, Katie, for sharing that. Um, You know, listening to me, listening to me, listening to you speak, uh, you mentioned, you know, how we as little kids, we take, we tend to take on all of what's going on in the family as if it's my fault. And I, I don't know why that is, but we just do. And, you know, thinking back on my upbringing, I, one of my main, I guess, goals or missions as little was to not make my mom angry. I thought every time she got angry was because of me, is because I didn't, you know, take out the trash, or I forgot to wash the plates, or I forgot to dust the, the, the dust or, or clean the home, whatever it was, and like constantly trying to envision what may go wrong the moment she comes back home, like on, walking on these eggshells, and oh man, that just brings so much um, memories of wanting to be the best at everything I do and also at the same time thinking whatever I do is not going to be enough. Um, When my mom was going through her her own um, trauma and all and so her reaction really sculpted this or built me in a way where I needed approval from others to be okay. Mm. 
Yeah, so that's um, that's definitely playing out as a, I don't know, as what as as a journey of my life that I'm currently um, healing. I don't really know what I'm going with my thought. That I I'm hearing like you know we get so used to managing others' emotions or mm-hmm. because you have to as a child it's like you they're providing care and they're providing a roof over your head and they're providing food, you know, most of the time. And I, I definitely relate to that where I think I tried to be just not be a problem as much as possible in some ways. And in other ways I really acted out and it didn't work, you know, (laughs) wasn't effective, but I think back to how like I did try to act out or get my needs really heard or seen, probably showing through behaviors that were not always welcomed or things like that. But just that, yeah, I feel with that, um, you know, not knowing and the unpredictability of kind of walking on eggshells and not knowing how things would look from day to day or moment to moment or um, you know, saying the wrong thing and like, again, what is the wrong thing, especially as a child. And it's just so much responsibility to take on as kids. And yeah, it's just, it's really interesting. I think now how I look back and think, I'm really thinking like, what did I learn about love or what did I learn about relationships? Because so much of the, like, don't, don't talk, don't trust, don't feel is sticks has really stuck with me and even talking about it now it's like I feel just my visceral like don't say anything wrong or don't like you know like don't you want to protect people and um and I think it's such a balance in understanding that we can be really you know angry or have a sadness about what happened and who who these people were then and we kind of have to do that I think to process it and release it from our bodies but then looking at now at the present day people and accepting the humanity in how hard it is just to be in this experience at times and how, you know, I think we all are doing the best we can. And it's really sad when that best just wasn't enough. And that's the reality of it. But it's, um, you know, talking about it and sharing like this whole basis of your podcast is like the power in telling our stories and getting it out there and trusting that. It, it's helpful to be heard and it's healing to be heard and it's healing to share. And, and um, it's not personal against my parents or against anybody. And I can think of so many positive qualities within them that were harder to look at for times when I was processing a lot of this stuff and still can be. And I'm hoping I get to more of a full rounded view of them now and them then but I think there's uh, so many stages of the grief or the sadness that we need to go through and anger just to get out there and say like yes this is what I needed and it wasn't met and that's like no wonder where there's anger there so how it all makes sense yeah I um I really so much and you know you mentioned yes and there's um and today I know there's nothing wrong how um how well, how we grow up because no family is perfect. And now I am able to look back and appreciate so much of what I went through and how I was raised because it really got me to where I am. And it kind of awakened me into looking back and finding things to be grateful for to my parents, you know, because before I was, um, I was a poor little girl. I was a victim. I was messed up kid you know they did wrong so I'm never going to recover and that was my story for a long long time and you know for a very long time I also thought that my numbing um, choice of numbing was alcohol and uh, yes that was a big problem that cost me a lot of um, actions in my life however the root cause as I see now um, comes from way deeper which um, is the stuff that I adopted in childhood. And, you know, we talked about love. Um, That is such a twisted still topic or situation in my current, um, where I am in my healing recovery, Um, just really unpacking the meaning of what I believe love is and how I 
grew up believing what love is is kind of through manipulating and allowed allowing to be manipulated so it's like if you do something for me then I love you and if I do something for me that you will love me back it's like this exchange in the physical form Mm. be it you know things or or sex or favors Um, so there's a lot of fear for me still in what is love? Is it a feeling? Is it a, you know, so there's a lot of questions in my mind and I'm just being really patient with allowing myself to open up to that possibility. Um, yeah. Allow closeness. Yeah. It's like, what is this? You know, we hear about love all the time and all the movies growing up and it's just such a, I think we get also a skewed version of what it is in the media and movies and, it's a lot of, you know, I've, I've gone through this too, where it's like, I have had like almost like emotional addiction at the start of relationships and how we kind of latch onto these things, feeling like there's some sort of worthiness outside of me, you know, that I need. And, and it was almost like I was avoidant most of my life where I was like, I don't need relationships. I'm fine. I don't need intimacy. Like none of this is, and I would have them, but it, it, yeah, it wasn't like this deeply intimate relationship. It was kind of um, more superficial and more probably needs based versus let's, you know, be in this together and let's share. And yeah, I think about love, love as an act, you know, like acts over time and how so much of what I think I thought love is, is chemistry or infatuation or just a way to mask something I'm feeling versus really enrich it and nurture it you know and one of bizarre concepts that I also learn um, that basically when I look for a partner or when we people look for partners we're really just searching for our parents love in another person (laughs) right like reading the book I read the book um, getting the love you need or getting the love you want um it's in the beginning it sounds really like sick twisted thing like now I'm not looking you know for my mom's or my father's love and other people but in a way I see how much that is true Mm. and again the idea of what love is I only tolerate the the love from another person that what I believe I deserve and it's it's kind of a sick twisted uh, manipulative way and if I get anything more or less I'm not even interested like healthy still scares me like the healthy relationship and I'm still getting to know what that is and how that would go it's something oh, in the future yeah you, go ahead do you yeah do you relate um that like the projections of of your parents on your partner or or I'm not sure what your status is but um uh, like searching for that or, or noticing that's what you want yes I think I definitely see how that could happen because I think about you know what I know about the body and the brain is that we have if there's any confusion are we seek experiences to try to figure it out like subconsciously our brains and our bodies are wired to kind of like make sense of what happens so if we're feeling off about something if we didn't get that love then we might seek familiar experiences because it does have this like pseudo safety and familiarity and it's like, Oh yeah, this feels like a comfy chair. I'll sit here. And then it's actually like, you know, we're getting nothing that we need out of that comfy chair. <laughs> we're just like, hanging out for a while and, you know, often like self-destructing in some ways in my experience. But, um, but also I think like relationships that, you know, looking back, I've had relationships where I think that chemistry or that infatuation lasted. And then when it ended, I was just completely like done or just completely felt like, oh, this isn't the right relationship for me. And really thinking how conditional I thought love was or relationships were. Like if I'm not feeling this certain way, this is not a relationship. Like this isn't worth the time for either of us. And mm-hmm. And how instead of being able to sit with that discomfort, because I think with my parents, you know, we didn't have this rich back and forth flow of 
connection or relationship, or if there was conflict, you know, maybe it felt threatening. And that's definitely, you know, shifted in a lot of ways with my mom over time. Um, But thinking about how in those relationships, I was really playing it so safe and, and conditional and looking back and now my relationship is definitely the biggest like ongoing triggers come up in my relationship and I think often it is like I'm almost trying to fight safety or security or being with somebody because I don't have that example and um, you know my parents were married for a short time and it really wasn't a classic family system at any point really So I don't have an example. Like, I just really don't know what that looks like. So I hear like, well, we're a family. This is how families do something. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, what do you mean by family? (laughs) What do you mean by like, like, I love you. Of course, this is, of course I'm doing this. I'm like, okay, like, I guess so. I don't know what that means really. Like I have to, I'm, I'm working on it and trying to practice, but it is like a constant intentional thing that I have to not try to get swept up into all those root emotions that I felt in childhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, as you're talking, you know, this kind of a reward punish system um, when raising kids. And I definitely relate when I was little, you know, um, well, I will love you. You're a good girl. If you do the, this and that, and if you're performing your good grades in school, then you're, you're lovable. And, and in a way, I feel like I learned to perform to gain love. Like I must do something. I must produce, create, be a certain way to, to get that prize of I love you or you're a good girl. And so I notice how in my adult life, um, I often feel still like, oh, I'm not good enough. Like I don't have a career going. I don't have this awesome bank account. Or there's always some external that I would put in front of me as a block oh I'm not ready to get into a relationship and I know now that it's a bullshit thought it's easier said than done like I, I wish I could just move it away I'm like oh no I'm fine you know I'm just whole and complete and I'm more than enough many days I feel like that but um, there's also the scarcity of that I must be a certain way to ever be good enough for somebody and then mm-hmm. there's like this flip side of that well nobody is also good enough for me Hmm. you know because I don't see myself as full so therefore I project that I'm others just like oh my goodness um so it's yeah something I'm working on to like rematrix um as I learn and grow and heal and recover yeah I so hear that Sammy with the with the accomplishments as worth and then what I've noticed lately is I totally detach from my accomplishments after I've made them, like, I'm totally like, I'm not going to think about that or celebrate it or be a, a witness to my journey. Like in any way, it's just like on to the next thing. And like, it needs to be better or different somehow. Or yeah, the not enoughness is like so deep. Yeah. Um, also, Katie, I want to talk, I know you do work with little kids and I don't know much about it. So I would love for you to touch on that. And Maybe for the um, to close the conversation, let's talk about healthy parenting, what that looks like. And I know your work concentrates on that. So um, I would like you to um, maybe dive in and, and what do you do for work and for the little ones? Yeah, I would love to. So I, you know, I'm, I'm not a parent. And it's interesting how my lived experience as a child being parented and having two very different parenting styles and then just all of the cultural or societal programming, which I think is, you know, we don't call it parenting, but in the term parenting, we put so much on parents. And I think just to kind of say that up front, that we used to live in a world where, you know, there were villages and there were communities where it wasn't just all on the parents and, I want to send compassion to parents and anybody you know who's raised a child because it's really um, different and I think tough to do all of the different things that parents are expected to do now and just how our society isn't built for making that easy in any way. And um, so 
the the work that I do is really family oriented. So I work with kids and parents are always involved either in the session every time or we're having frequent meetings and things like that. They're really involved because I'm really looking at the caregiver and child match and the child's specific individuality and their cues. So instead of saying like, okay, Johnny needs to make eye contact. That's our goal. Like eye contact is the goal. We'll just tell him to make eye contact. We, we wouldn't do that because we're reading the lack of eye contact as a cue or a signal that maybe Johnny isn't ready to, you know, be calm enough in that moment. Or maybe there's some security in shutting down all of that visual input or looking at somebody so that they can hear more easily or that they can be in space more easily and pay attention or whatever it is without looking. So we're helping to point out those cues that are really impacting a child's life or their participation. So maybe peers are confused by that, or maybe at school they keep getting in trouble for not looking because the teacher is thinking that they're not paying attention when actually it's exactly what they need to pay attention or it's exactly what they need to do. So my work is all about helping to attune to those individual differences that I think get so easily shut down with all of that, like being a good girl, like you're saying, or being a a good person and doing all these right things. And then kind of, you know, at the cost of individuality and speaking truths and who we are and just being that way and being okay with it. And, um, and so healthy parenting, I think is really about as much about us as caregivers or adults as it is about the child, if, if not more, you know, maybe that's more so because if we're not regulated or like emotionally calm or organized, then of course we won't be open to a relationship, whether that's with somebody else or a child around us that's relying on our care. So thinking about how, you know, thinking about relationships in general and having that connection as foundation versus compliance, which is the norm in our power control world. It's all about like, you know, if somebody's child is having a meltdown in public, everyone's thinking like, oh, that parent or, you know, not everybody. I think this is really shifting, but we put so much blame on parents. And also I think systemically looking at, well, if you are, you know, black or a person of color and you're being judged in space as somebody going to report you, to mm-hmm. child services and take your child away. So that's an extreme version, but it, it happens. And so it's like, of course, they're going to threaten spanking their child later because if there's a risk of be- losing a child or being judged in a way that could really threaten that attachment, then of course you do what you need to do. So thinking about, you know, what is healthy and what choices are parents making because they intuitively want to make that choice? Or is it this need that they feel because there's so much pressure on culture or culturally or societally that is guiding their choices in such a big way. So I think about it so much as personal development and so much as our own process of work, you know, being with ourselves and getting comfortable with that in order to have space and, and intention about the choices we're making with kids and why, and expecting, respecting that everybody's, situation or view of what's healthy will look likely pretty different Mm. yeah you know and um i i heard this saying um you know less parenting and more being with a child and what that is for me the being is i'm also not a parent but i imagine one day i will have the wisdom to perhaps not project my own fears and anger and my own childhood fears but rather ask child questions like hey tell me more about that why do you think or what are you feeling why um why did you act that way rather than oh my god how dare you stop no don't touch sit down come down and it's like i read this research um it said like the child hears the word no like nine times a minute from like an average parent that is insane Mm. that is like don't exist basically you know everything is a no 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 there is so much control and what you mentioned you know um there i would i would feel fear too you know especially in public um 
it's more it would be more about myself like projecting okay well if my kid behaves well that means I'm an educated person I know what I'm doing blah 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 and so it's so easy to punish the kid because of my own fears about myself rather than okay well I'm just gonna let my kid run around he or she falls hurt themselves and they're gonna learn that if you run this way or or that fast you might hurt and, and that's okay like that's just life like that's an experience I think especially as an adult too like you know I I I learn by doing really and it's so fun to experience rather than be um, in this cage of my own fears or for a child be in the cage of the parents fears I think mm-hmm. it's really important to just be with the child be curious as the child and let the child be the kid you know so. yeah and I think about you know hearing this it's like when we control there's often fear under that so I know if I'm controlling and I absolutely will you know my definitely mm-hmm. I, I work for a living connecting with children connecting with families and there are absolutely moments where I will say you know what you need to stand right here and or you can choose stand on the towel or stand by this barrel. Like I need a minute. So I need like, it's like, I need, I feel like I need control because something's unsettled inside of me. And I think how we tend to, you know, like saying no to a child, even it's really tough to be curious if we have our own foundational trauma or emotional dysregulation that isn't, hasn't, hasn't had attention. So if we haven't had, thousands of repetitions of a caregiver doing just what you're saying so even before tell me more or like how are you feeling just being present and being a safe container nearby when a child's having a hard time instead of sending to a timeout in their room or isolating the child because that threatens our core survival system because our attachment is really based on the a close adult so it's really about the distance of the adult the adult away from us and the emotional availability of the adult. So if a child is sent to their room and isolated with these huge feelings like anger or frustration or sadness, it's essentially telling the child, like you come back when you're lovable. Like you said, like you come back when you are behaving good and you are lovable then and when you're not crying or, or when you are crying or when you are upset then we're sending you away because this isn't okay. So we learn, we don't learn how to really process emotion in a healthy way. So then we become adults and have kids around us. And we have no clue how to manage these huge emotions coming up within us. So if I hear a parent that's saying no constantly, I'm thinking, I want to give you a hug because what happened to you? And what, what was your experience like as a child? Because... I'm so sorry that you didn't get that emotional connection that you needed because here, you know, here we are in our thirties or forties or fifties and we're trying to sit with these complex emotions and be there for a child. And it's just, it's really tough and it's really overwhelming to the nervous system, like as a, at a body level, as much as we try to think ourselves out of it or go in with the right intentions or go in with positive or helpful intentions it's like the body can take over in those moments and then we're just reacting versus responding. And um, so again, like thinking in those moments, how do we be compassionate for ourselves? If I am going to control or when I do mess up, how do we repair with the child and say, you know what? I was having a hard time earlier and um, it impacted you. And I wonder if that felt scary and I'm working on, showing up differently next time or whatever it is that we say just to loop back and help the child make meaning of it in a way that's saying nope this wasn't about you it wasn't because you're bad it wasn't because you need to be better it was because we are all humans trying to figure this out and I'm a human too and it doesn't mean that there's a threat to our relationship it means that this is exactly what we need to grow and to be together and be, be connected and conflicts. Okay. Conflict safe versus conflict feeling like this huge threatening thing where we end up alone and confused and scared. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to me today, I, uh, I'm learning to be my own loving parent and it's like this idea. I literally think sometimes or feel like I have two children, the little Sammy, is like three and four which is frightened 
um, and sad all the time. And then I have this teenager, Sammy, because in recovery, you know, they say when you, we are as young, when we get sober, when we started to drink. So when I started to drink heavily, I was 15. And so it's like, sometimes I feel like I have these little Sammy and this teenage Sammy and, and really, how do I, how do I teach them with love, the patience, the care, and, and not punishing the self-beat up, you know, and it's such a cool concept. And the truth is that I do have the, uh, the parenting skills today by what I hear from people like you, from, you know, the, the recovery community, from the programs I'm in. It's, um, it's such a gift for me to know because I did not know I can have a happy childhood at any time. Like I can change the way I feel about my childhood. And yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's, um, it's challenging. It's beautiful. And it's just so rewarding to, to know that I can be a, my own parent, show up for myself how I want to. I would love to hear more on that, Sammy, just that I can have a happy childhood. Like, what does that mean? Does that mean you're viewing your actual childhood as happy or that you are? Re- like, tell me more about that. I'm curious. what. How, how I see it is that, um, you know, I was in a program where we did many assignments and those assignments were always uncomfortable. One of the assignments is to be little, like, literally go through life through every single day as little because I now sense and aware of myself that I get this excitement you know when you're like little like oh my god yes like we're going to the beach (laughs) you know and let that be let that come out like be curious and sometimes like I'm on a train and you know I see a stranger read a book like a little kid would be like what are you reading or like try to touch the book you know like something like that just be like childlike like splash in the lake like act more like a child mm-hmm. and and allow allow myself to to feel those feelings of like birth of joy or like scream or squeak you know when I'm excited and it, not always do I allow of course this adult wants to like no no this is not professional like you're not you're not <laughs> free anymore but I am the thing this is I am the little Sandy goes nowhere she's always there and wants to come out and play sometimes in time when it's maybe not as appropriate like in a work meeting but like knowing that the more I allow myself to be that little girl and do things that excite me you know spontaneously that's when I reconnect with that kid and that's when I'm like okay I'm being a loving parent right now allowing my kid just to be you know Mm. yeah I love that it's like the awe and wonder and delight that kids so innately have and it's just like covered up layer by layer as we go so that's so cool yeah and then you know the other side is like when I don't want to do anything I'm crankly I'm like I just want to (laughs) like you know okay (laughs) How do I act with this little Sammy that is just being a little, you know, mountain goat, just holding on to it? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's such a cool experience. And yeah, now that I'm aware of what's going on, I can be like, okay, you know, and self-talk too. Mm-hmm. Like every morning I get up, now I imagine I see myself as little, like I look in the mirror and I actually greet myself. I say, good morning, Sammy like touch my face with my palm because I'm thinking if I had a kid and she woke up in the morning I would acknowledge her like hi honey good morning you know I wouldn't just look at her and not say a word so that's how I'm thinking of greeting my own little self like I can't just look at the mirror and say nothing which I did for my whole life like I wasn't there for me you know so just little things like that little huge things actually oh yeah, that sounds so nurturing and so like just like I see you. I, I yeah, you know, I'm here for you. I'm present. Yeah, totally, Katie. Um, also, quick question before we close. Um, your social media is filled with great quotes and and book pages, and I just want to ask like few books that made a huge difference in your life or what you're currently reading. I love mm. reading some. I'm always curious. Oh, okay. I, yes, I'm obsessed with books. So um, the one I'm reading right now is Pete Walker, The Tao of Fully Feeling. 
um, I think it's turning like anger and resentment into forgiveness or something like that, or turning blame into forgiveness is the tagline. And Pete Walker in general, the first book I read by him was Complex PTSD, Surviving to Thriving. And that book was, it's almost like a, um, like a Bible to me. I read it so often or pull it out and open to a page and it's somehow relevant to life. It feels like whatever page I open to that day and just help me know so much of why I was doing the behaviors or potentially why I was behaving the way that I, um, that I was. And he goes through stress responses and talks through like the fight, flight, freeze, and then also a fawn response, like people pleasing and befriending, tend and befriend and befriending people to be safe versus befriending to connect and to be energized by relationship. So just really powerful stuff, Pete Walker. Um, those are a couple that I love. And then also um, Tara Brock, who wrote Radical Acceptance. She's, I, I don't know if she's, she claims she's a Buddhist or if she pra- I think practices Buddhism is how she says it. Um, I really enjoy Tara Brock. Her podcast is just kind of nurturing and present and available. And then... Um, Byron Katie also was another mm-hmm. one that I love just questioning thoughts and, mm-hmm. and judgments and things that come up. So probably any of hers. I think the first one I read was loving what is, and um, again, her podcast too is a good one. So I could go on and on. Yeah. I have a full book list of <laughs> books I love on yeah. my website, but it's always expanding. So cool. All right, Katie, thank you again so much for being here today with me. Um, I will tag your website if you don't mind when I post our episode so people can look and, and reach out if they have any questions, if they relate, okay? Yeah, come say hi. I'd love to connect. Yeah, awesome. Well, have a lovely day. I can't wait to see you and give you a squeeze. You too, Sammy. Thanks so much <laughs> for having me and all for listening. Thank you. Bye yeah. now. Bye-bye. Hi, it's me again. I have a question for you. Would you like to be on my podcast? Do you or someone you know have a story to tell? Would you like to share your journey with me and inspire others to speak theirs? If so, feel free to contact me through my Instagram and Facebook accounts. You can find me by my name, Sammy Barks. Like the doggy. Woof!